I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. How you doing, buddy? Great. So, last time, you and I were talking about the various ways that we collaborate with other people, be it through pull requests or pair programming or a bit of each. And we kind of finished uh, on a note where uh, we were describing that, um, you know, different things work for different folks and um, there's no good one true answer. But right at the end, just as we were running out of time, you posed a sort of a question to me of like, what makes a good pull request? Mm-hmm. So maybe we should start there. So what makes a good pull request? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> he said knowingly. He said knowingly. Narrated. I've been waiting was... for a month to hear the answer to this because no, exactly. Yeah, what? That's it, when you these podcasts are going to come out. No, really, left us on tender hooks the whole time. Everyone <laughs> thinking, what makes a good pull request? So. Uh, Actually, there's sort of two sides to this, I think. There's what makes a good pull request, and there is what makes a good review. Mm. And that can change depending on the person who submitted and the person who – and their interaction with the, uh, the, 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 the project owner or the reviewer or however that fits. So the first thing about a good pull request for me is it has to have a good explanation as to the why. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes – I think we talked about this a little bit last time – um, that's sometimes you can't infer the why from just the diff. The diff's like, you know, you change the number 16 to 17 and all the tests have been updated and you kind of say like, yeah, we, we updated the 16 to the 17 and all the tests now pass. And you're like, yeah, but that, that, why, why, why was the 16 to 17? What was wrong with 16? Tell me something about mm-hmm. this. Now, obviously there is a world in which if it's not too obvious from the code alone, then that pull request um, explanation isn't often tracked as well as the the the, the individual changes that you've committed, mm-hmm. right? And most yeah. source control tra- source source tracking systems work at the level of like the commits that you do, be it Git or any of the other sort of uh, um, source control packaging mm-hmm. packages. Um, they're not necessarily going to have a link back to the original pull request. You know, the metadata is stored out of line, certainly in yeah. GitHub, right? Stuff. So if it's not too obvious, then maybe you only need to make a change to the way that the code is written to say, hey, yeah, this was should never be 16. <laughs> um, so anyway, a clear explanation as to the why of the change. Um, hopefully, for an open source project, and maybe even for some internal projects, links to the bugs or issues that this is related to or even closes, which is a wonderful thing you can do is to sort of say, hey, this closes that, knowing that when it gets merged, it will automatically close the bug which is a cool feature. Um, And then it should be relatively small, right? If you can possibly make it the smallest useful change, then you're doing your reviewer a favor, right? You are necessarily imposing upon your reviewer some time. You're stealing time from them, Mm -hmm. hopefully to give them something good. You know, in an open source project, you're hoping that you're saying, hey, reviewer, this is worth your time because you're going to get a new feature, you're going to get a bug fix. That's great. But you are still presupposing that they're going to spend some amount of time. And for some of these things, like I, I, I know very good reviewers who will spend a very long time poring over the lines, line by line, and mm-hmm. really giving you that thorough audit that like a linter would, would do right, right in a better situation. Right. And yeah. like, no, this doesn't really work the way you think it does. I think, you know, you can be more efficient in this way or whatever. So you really are asking a lot from the reviewer. 
And so giving them a smaller piece is a nice way of saying only 15 minutes of your time, mm-hmm. thanks, or only five minutes of your time, or t- somewhere like that. That's that's the nicest thing. Now, yeah. Yeah. It depends on the language. It depends on the, the, the problem that you're s- trying to solve. And to an extent, it depends on your relationship with your reviewer as to exactly how much you can get into one uh, one pull request. But smaller is usually always better unless you're obfuscating what's going to happen down the line. Right, right. I've definitely had situations where I've just been like, you know, this is some combination of honesty and selfishness. But I'm like, if you send me a pull request that's longer than about 500 lines, I'm just going to say LGTM and I'm not going to read it. Um, right. and, I'm, and I'm saying that not because I'm lazy and not because I don't want to review your request, but because I know I'm not going to be able to really understand the code at the level that you expect me to understand it. And I'm not even going to try. And it's like, yes. it's, it's, I'm, I'm being a little bit sort of selfish there, but I'm also just being like, there's just no way for me to do that. If you send me a 3000 line pull request, I can't understand it all. I just can't. Not gonna happen. Well, this is a, the second part to a large pull request, which in a, in a follow up, I'm gonna immediately erode this <laughs> this, this this statement away with the next yeah. bit, which is if you have a too large pull request, then it is like you say, either your reviewer is just gonna go LGTM, it looks yeah. too good to me, you know, yeah. what well, looks fine, or they're gonna say to you, "Have you considered doing this a completely different way?" <laughs> And you're going to be really, really upset yes. that you have invested all this time doing yes. a giant, giant, giant change mm-hmm. when there is perhaps they're like, yeah, if you just pass a negative number in, it does that anyway. What do you, <laughs> this is a really awkward and like, or, you know, obviously that's a very pithy um, uh, comeback. But I mean, like, the larger a change is, the more likely people are to have strong opinions about how it affects the rest of the code base. Mm-hmm. And effectively, you're, you're writing an option when you do a, a pull request of like, well, this could be thrown away, right? Yeah, I am, yeah. I'm doing something which somebody could say, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost on yourself to say, well, how about if I haven't already reached out to the, the person who's going to be reviewing it or someone else to say, can we get a bit of buy-in about the general approach about my problem? Mm-hmm. Um, how about I make it a small enough thing that I they won't feel guilty telling me this is no good. This is not how it's going to work. And I'm not wasting too much of my time spending, a, you know, crafting a beautiful thing that's just not ever going to get merged in. Right. So that's another reason to make it smaller and to the point. Of course, there are always times when you can't make a minimal change because you're you know, renaming something across the whole code base mm-hmm. or whatever. But hopefully those mechanical changes, you can at least say, hey, this is I, I did this with a, a, a refactoring tool. Yeah. Yeah, you can at least make that a focus change, right? Like you can have a pull request that is, I'm renaming this class and it's used in a thousand different places and you can read all these lines, but they should all basically be the same thing. And then secondly, like having renamed the class, I'm going to give it some new responsibilities and then move on. Yeah, So then you can kind of, absolutely. So the thing that I said about eroding uh, the pull request is that obviously if you are breaking what is a larger change into smaller pieces, you can start doing some trickery where you build one change off of the next change and have like a set of cascading pull requests. And that's something I'll often do, but I'll do that only really because I'm very confident that the very head of that chain of changes is not going to significantly change. And if it does, it's Mm -hmm. mea culpa, right? So, so that's a, a good pull request is focused. It is, sent hopefully to somebody who is not going to be shocked to receive it you know the the, the reviewer is going to have an explanation as to why 
this change is being made and hopefully it has some kind of audit trail for like the bugs it closes and or the the things that um and obviously, and obviously it should be CI'd if anyone has a CI system then you know the, all the pull requests should be uh, run and have all the tests passing and mm-hmm. maybe you have coverage things and stuff like that so very often some tooling can take can take away some of the toil of like did you write tests for your code you know, right. like, oh look you failed because like 0% of the new code was covered by tests oh I'm yeah. sorry about that right so that's one thing so then as a reviewer on the other side, you have a certain amount of responsibility. You, know, you, you also have to understand that somebody has just sent you a piece of work and they are sort of standing sort of awkwardly, cap in hand, just hovering off to the side, looking at you expectantly like, is it good? Did, mm-hmm. is, it, is this okay? Is this nice? Mm-hmm. And so you have to be to- you know, thoughtful to them. Um, and, and so the first thing I would think of is, is be kind. Especially as pull requests yeah. are, are, are mostly administra- administered not administrated, administered over electronic means, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, if, if, and the worst is usually interpreted in anything you will write. You know, have you know? You always say thank you for making this change. Like I, 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 I t- go out of my way to find all the best parts and make sure I celebrate them in a pull request because otherwise, it can be a miserable. Like yeah, just saying yeah. thanks or no, sorry, just saying merged is no good. But like, hey. You could have this. This could have been copy pasted, but you took the time to extract a class, and you took time to write tests for that extracted class, and then you used it in three places. That's great. I love it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be obviously as quite as effusive, whatever effusive. a word like that as, as I just was. <laughs> but I find it goes a long way in terms yeah, of like then yeah. when you do have to say actually this thing needs might need to be re, 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 you know renamed or mm-hmm. could you consider this? There's a bit of a race condition if these two things happen. What other ways can there be? Mm-hmm then, you know, it goes down better. Now, I don't want to propose, like, the sandwich, like, way yeah, of giving criticism yeah. to anyone. That's not a helpful thing. But, like, just if you generally acknowledge the work that someone has put into the PR, right. and that gets you into a really good mindset for giving uh, the the few targeted places where you might say, can yeah. this may need to change. Polar cats have all the worst combinations of electronic communication and judging people, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's really terrible. The whole thing is That's- terrible. But that's but, absolutely but so you guys, true. You got to make that effort to sort of like you, you know, have go, to go, go yeah. over and above. Yeah. I think to do a good review, mm-hmm. and then um, and then anytime you do ask for a change, have a concrete suggestion. You know, it can be very frustrating for a project owner who knows their own project really well when somebody does yet another sort of uh, like a small change. You're like, no, no, it just doesn't work that way, and you just say, no, please change this thing, right? That's that, you need to be able to say, "Hey, why don't why don't you change it in this way?" Because, and then link to the frequently asked questions that says, "Hey, yeah, yeah, the reason we don't use that approach is this thing." Or, please stick to the style of the project. A few other bits and pieces like that. But again, if you're asking someone to change something, have a concrete way of changing it, as opposed to just airily, fairly saying, "I don't really like the way this is done." <laughs> right? That that's not a nice way of giving somebody feedback. You say, "Yeah." So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about when I'm reviewing. And mostly from the open source side of things, where yeah. more than uh, anything else, you are, you are very aware that folks are doing this out of their own goodwill. Yep. And that's the only coin you have yep. in, in the open source community is the goodwill of others. You know, And I'm totally blessed to have some amazing people who will submit stuff to stuff that I'm responsible for. And I have to keep that top of mind to say, like, thank you. You didn't have to do this. You're a volunteer and you're trying to make the world better. Thank you. I do try and get that into the reviews I do at work too, though, right? I do want to say like, you know, hey, yeah, we're all professionals. We're all paid to be here. 
But it's still nice to be told, yeah, that's a super cool thing. I didn't know that trick. You know, everybody wants to hear those things. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yep. No, that's that's a good point that you make, especially about open source, right? It's like um, the worst thing about open source is you can never get your money back. And, it's, and that and that works at both levels, right? And and I have I have worked I have been the maintainer for open source projects as well, not nearly as popular as uh, some of the ones that you've worked on, but I have had that experience of having people sort of send me PRs for like very well intentioned changes that just don't match the model of what the project is trying to do, and it's always a super awkward conversation of like I realize that you put a lot of time and energy and thought into this, and I'm sorry, but no. Right, yeah. it's like it's, it's it's just such a painful conversation to have. So it's like there's no winners really in that situation, yeah. unfortunately. Yep, 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 yeah. So what about um, one thing I know that could come up a lot, and this is maybe more prevalent. Well, I was going to say I think this is maybe more prevalent in open source, but I think it actually is a problem in lots of different contexts, which is when you have multiple reviewers, right? Like, so you have a PR that you create, and you want to send it out to a group of people. Like, mm. what are some things to do in that situation? So that's interesting. I I avoid it where I possibly can, right? Mm. I try to make it very clear that I would like one person to review it, and I send it to that one person. Mm-hmm. And I suppose mm. within a work context, you know, the thing that I like to say is have either reached out to the person ahead of time or have, like, a pre-existing arrangement with them because, you know, like, hey, we're on the same team, so we expect some kind of level of service quality of, of service and say like okay i'm giving it to you can you review it or let me know that you can't review it in a t- relatively timely fashion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then if other people should be notified of the pr or might have opinions about it i will cc them like as a very separate thing inside the okay. comments i'll say this is probably of use to you know bob and tracy they should know that mm-hmm. that this change is going through and then of course anyone can dive in on a github style review i mean i, I guess it's Worth saying that, like my mental model is very focused around the GitHub workflow. Although, mm-hmm. although the GitLab has something similar, and you know LLVM has Fabricator and other things, but it makes sense to have one person who is on the hook to do the review. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I find when I'm on the receiving end of a pull request and I'm one of five people, uh, the the chance of me replying sort of proportional to the inverse square of the number of other people mm-hmm. that there are on it. Like, you know, everyone assumes someone else is going to pick up the, t- the, the actual thread of it. And then I'm just going to go, yeah, that sounds good. Or, right. or else worse still, I will be halfway through reviewing it in my very, you know, put my hat on and say, okay, this, I, I'm going to be good. This is, I don't really know this code base. <laughs> and then a joker like me comes in and says LGTM. And, and then it's already checked it. in or, and then I'm still making <laughs> writing comments for it. And I find that that's also, yeah. you know it's rude rude <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. you know it needs to be clear or, or at least you know have intentions there are ways of labeling things in github if you want to say like you know one of two or you know everyone needs to commit this or whatever just as a way of hinting that also comes back around to like when once the reviews are all in who should merge the pr in mm-hmm. and i have very strong opinions about this which it should be the original poster only oh, yeah. uh-huh. unless they go out of their way to say once this is fine whoever's lgtms this should should commit it and that's only mainly because sometimes i like to orchestrate amongst other changes that i have which order they go into yeah a code base and i feel like well i'm the one who's tying myself in stupid knots making all these different branches that are all interrelated yes. and yes. trying to pr them i can right. untangle them if it's my fault but if someone else commits something else first then maybe i don't mm-hmm. You know, well, the, and certainly that is is consistent if you're working in a model with continuous deployment, where it's like once you merge it, it's going to prod. So you better 
have the person that's shepherding that change through to production. Because normally, if you're not making a pull request, you commit something to to the main branch, and it goes into production, right? And yeah. That would be the normal way to do it. So introducing a pull request shouldn't really change that model, right? Like, they're just getting a review of the code. They're not necessarily wanting to change the, the sort of um, ownership of the deployment. Right. right, right. It's still right. on me to kind of essentially watch the deploy mm-hmm. and make sure it goes into production, and I tail the log and go, "Oh yeah, that thing did work the way I thought it did," or whatever. Just as the final, yeah. final, whatever final it check. is that you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So yeah, yep. one, single single reviewer. Hopefully, I mean, obviously, there are cases when you need to get multiple reviewers. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, are there situations where you have, you know a change that for whatever reason you can't break into two pull requests and you're like, well, two people need to look at this. Yeah. I guess what you're saying is normally you'd CC one of them. I don't know. I think in that uh, instance, I would just... to like wait or like, how do you handle that? I think I would probably send it to both of them, but make sure that, that, that they were aware that I want both sign off from, from both mm, of those okay. people. Otherwise, okay. um, yeah, otherwise you could easily construe, oh, I have to review this or no, it's just one person needs to do as long as, I think as long as it's clear, then... Um, then it's not much of a problem. But I prefer strongly having one person so that everyone knows who, who's, who's responsibility, where the responsibilities lie. Right, and I, right, I personally, right, I have right. all the email rules in the world to make sure that pull requests pop up on my desktop and tell me, hey, you know, you've got something mm-hmm. to do straight away. Um, in fact, while we've been recording this, uh, one has popped up and I'm <laughs> feeling a bit bad about not doing anything about it. But I'm sure the, I know, I know the person who submitted it. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, and you know, yeah. and obviously with open source projects as well, there's even more asynchronicity here. I suppose I'm, I'm thinking when I've been talking about the pull request and the multiple people thing, that's mm-hmm. been definitely much more about work projects where anyone could reasonably review the code and commit it. As you say, there might be areas of the code base that are like mostly, and this is you know, uh, Ian's area of the code, and then there's you know, mm-hmm. Darcy's over here, and then you know, the two of them need to give me some sign off from it. That's that can easily easily happen but but usually there's somebody else there's like a fungible one one of like the four or five other people on your team are fungible you can just pick the person who is least um Mm -hmm. uh least recently used uh usage although actually back in back in the days at google uh i did there was certainly a bit of horse trading in like the uh reviewers you knew were more lenient or otherwise yeah, right yeah. <laughs> it was a bit right. of like well somebody else has to lgt the tm this and you know this is a bit gnarly and i can go one of two ways i will either send it to the person opposite me and i'll kind of do the whole social engineering thing of like hey uh fancy going for a drink after work uh yeah yeah i actually but just before we go i've just sent you a pr mm-hmm. <laughs> do you mind having oh, a quick look me by the way <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. i mean okay that's not it that never actually happened but there was definitely the the reverse actually happened i'll tell you so the, um one of my good buddies is probably the best code reviewer i've ever had and if i definitely wanted it to be picked apart down to like the absolute atomic level of like hey did you know that this has a strange side effect i sent it to malcolm and malcolm would be like yeah i'll find all the problems that you'll ever and th- some of you never even realized could have been problems and that was sometimes what you wanted mm-hmm. you have to, mm-hmm. So have you ever worked at a place that has had more sort of like traditional code reviews where you'd have like a, you know, a code review team or committee or a group that would be assembled to like go through code line by line that had been changed at any point in time? No, no. Have you? Uh, Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, I think this is a thing that people do sometimes still do. Right. I don't really understand why. 
Maybe because they think they have well, too many people employed there. I'm not sure. I, I can certainly see. I, I've I've seen some people say what a good way to do code reviews, just in general, is to mm-hmm. like have the end of the week. Everyone picks out the changes, and you sort of project them up, and you go over mm-hmm. some of the code. And for certainly for critical things. You know, it's a great way of everyone getting on board and seeing the code, almost celebrating some of the great, you know, things mm-hmm. that have happened. And I can see that being a positive experience, but I can, that's, that's by pa- casting the most rose tinted light I can possibly <laughs> project upon it. Yes. Because my, yes. If you're generating f- small enough amounts of code that can be reviewed in a, like a end of week celebration, um, usefully. <laughs> Then maybe you're not. Gen- and I mean, I know you have a thing yeah, about like, yeah. You, you know, you come on, like your your pinned tweet right now, if I remember rightly, is you know like what something to do with pair programming. Do you want to explain yeah, what your it pinned is, tweet actually. is? Just so oh that- yeah, no, it is. Uh, I see. I almost want to pull it up just to make. sure. I think you should pull it up so that you can quote it completely, um, and I'll cover for you by talking and saying that I'm covering for you, which means I'm not covering for you at all. Yeah, thanks, thanks, done it. Thanks for covering. We'll fix this in post. Really appreciate it. But yeah. Yes, my my pinned tweet. Come on, Twitter, you can do it. My pinned tweet says, uh, "It's like it's like two people talking, and the first one says, but if all of our programmers are pairing, won't they write half as much code?'" And the second person says, "No, hopefully they'll write even less than that, um, because the whole point <laughs> is that code is a liability. It's the functionality that has value, um, right? And you know, if you have two people looking at a problem, sometimes they come up with a simpler solution, which is great." Which is the hope, uh, right? Which is the hope, but yeah, I have I have definitely worked um, early in my career. I worked in some places that would do these more formal code reviews, and they are uh, incredibly painful, um, <laughs> especially when done in a group setting, especially when you're a junior engineer, right? Um, and oftentimes not really that helpful, right? So it'd be one thing if the pain was yielding significantly better code um but the problem in that setting is especially it's a little it's it's a little bit of bike shedding where people can't scroll around uh, and sort of dig into the context of the changes right they can't expand that tab in github or they can't you know go pull, pull a thing up in an ide and click around and so they only see what's on the screen and so it's really hard for them to understand what's actually going on. And so what they do is they pick apart things like style. They say like, oh, that variable name could be better. Or oh, you should have you should have used, uh, you know, a while loop instead of a for loop. Or you should have used, uh, you know, it's, it's like usually trivial things. And I think there's this sort of old um, cliche I've heard. It's like if you give people, uh, you know, five lines of code to review, they'll find five things wrong with it. But if you give them 500 lines, they'll say it looks all good. And it's sort of the in-between of that, where it's like, yeah. there is 500 lines to review, but they're all in a, we're all in a room together, and we're supposed to be saying things. Yeah. So, like... I think oh, that's the key there as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's worth saying that no matter what your review technique, saying, thank you, this looks great, and saying approve is a perfectly reasonable yes. code review. You don't yes. have to go through and find things to say. Yes, that's yes. it's it's very wearing, right? That's you're not. Yeah, unless it can't you just be good. Everything can actually be good, and that's, <laughs> that's it. May okay. not be all, every time, but yeah. you know, very often you, you can find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, you, I'm glad yeah, that I, you've been spared that experience. I, I have. I mean, we've I've worked to places where obviously the financial uh, impact of changes can be very uh, sorry misplaced 
changes or miss uh, bugs is what I'm talking about here, right? It can be very, um, yeah. very big. And so there have been all sorts of talk about like, well, maybe we should do reviews, maybe we should have whatever. And like, ultimately, the testing is what saves you most of the time. And and even then, like with reviews, um, you have to be sure that um, the person who's reviewing your code would also have caught a bug for it to be worthwhile, the drag mm-hmm. of doing that in the same way. Now, I guess we never actually spoke about some of the benefits of doing reviews at all, be they pair <laughs> programming, continuous continuous reviews. Oh, yeah. Or, well, so or, what we did, actually, it was my tweet, smaller code. I mean, that is, that is definitely like, you know. But there is there are other benefits to it. Oh, yes, for sure. The, the thing that I keep coming back to when I do pair program is that, I mean, first of all, you two, two brains is better than one. So, yeah, hopefully you come up with a more sen- sensible solution full stop and we've talked about all the knowledge transfer that can happen between individuals when they're sat together um and obviously there are some of the drawbacks about the how much it takes out of you and various Mm -hmm. different personalities may not work for for them yep but um that and pull requests someone reviewing your code actively as well as trying to help the the quality of code by saying hey this doesn't work the way you thought it did or maybe you've considered this other thing all that kind of stuff is you're sharing knowledge about the system you're developing together yeah and yeah. reducing bus risk you know the, mm-hmm. the unfortunate I, we, let's say uh lottery risk that's a much nicer thing lottery right? it's not risk lo- lottery like a lot people winning risk. the lottery okay. sorry lottery lottery there you go <laughs> lottery okay now i can <laughs> <laughs> but the risk of somebody, you know, their numbers coming up on the state lottery and yeah. um, it's going, you know what? I don't need to work anymore. I'm off. Right. Right. Or, I crypto, guess in, in our current line of work, crypto risk. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Yes. All right. Ben and I work in an industry where many of our friends are into crypto. And so as crypto waxes and wanes, there is definitely a risk that some of them may decide that. Buying their own tropical island is is uh, is more preferable than hanging out and programming with us mm-hmm. or it, something similar to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of yeah, that reducing the risk that if a team member that leaves or changes their role within the business, that you are now left with a, a hole in your understanding of the system, right? Mm-hmm. At least somebody yeah. else has seen that piece of code. Yeah, it's not just like some 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 uh, yeah hidden aspect. So there's a right. benefit there too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that, and that is a, you know, when I'm making the argument for finding better ways to collaborate, because sometimes you do get pushback on some of these things, both from engineers and from, you know, product owners, managers, other yeah, yeah, yeah. pointy, pointy haired types. I mean, they're um, right to ask questions about it. Oh, for so. sure. Oh, for sure. But then the answer is, is like, you know, there are these risks that are very square wavy. Right, where you can go along for a long time and never even get a whiff of this risk, and then all of a sudden, you know, some Dogecoin goes to a hundred billion dollars. She's made a, her yeah. fortune and doesn't need to work anymore. Right, <laughs> and they and they they don't even give you notice. They just stop showing up to work one day, <laughs> and uh, now you can't deploy your system anymore because <laughs> that person doesn't work here anymore. Right, or like there's some critical piece that. Um, if it has a bug, you just c- literally can't fix. Um, and so those sorts of like very, uh, you know, sort of, they're not exactly black swan because it's like people leave these jobs all, all the time. But those sort of like, you know, those sort of risks that can s- sit there and hide. And it's really hard to see them. It's really hard to detect that, right? Like, um, 
to know like what are the parts of the system that only one person knows, right? Right. And they and it's just been going along fine because that one person has been, you know, making sure that it doesn't break and fixing the bugs and picking yeah. up all the issues and making the improvements and no one's noticed that it's actually just Alice. She's the only person that understands those 100,000 lines of code that are central to your company. Yeah. Um and so, you know, and it can be very threatening to somebody in that situation if you be if you go over to them and you're like Hey, you know, we're worried about your quitting, so you need to train this other person. Yeah, right. <laughs> that doesn't that I can see that that, that not going well. That yeah, conversation right, doesn't right. go yeah. That's very very awkward. So so encouraging these kinds of collaboration methods, whatever they might be, is a great way to sort of like systemically reduce that risk yeah. without having to identify it and address it on a case by case basis. Right. Yeah. Um, which can be which can be a little weird. So yes, yes. I mean, there, there's <laughs> can't imagine sauntering out to Odyssey saying so about that. <laughs> How much Ethereum do you own? Just wondering. <laughs> just, just, just asking. Wanted, just asking. Just, just wondering. Just, just we were just yeah. You know. Just you know. But so how, how's your weekend? Um, <laughs> so if we're talking about knowledge dissemination and like yeah. multiple brains being applied to a single problem to sort of see if there's a good solution or not, then it would be rude not to talk about mob programming, which is... Mob programming, yes. Mob, yes. sorry, mob programming. No, no, mob you programming. Mob. Mob. Hello, we're the mob here. <laughs> We've come yeah, to no. fix your program. We've come to fix your program. So I, I will first say that I uh, I know a lot of people that do this, that I trust, that have, do that, say they do this very effectively. I've tried it a couple of times myself. It seems fine. I can see how it could be very good, but it, I am not, unlike with the pair of programming where I'm like, ah, I've done this for years, the mob programming is not something that I am, right, have any claim enough. to any particular and expertise to. I've never done it. So, yeah. I mean, um, other than like informally when when you're pair programming and someone else comes over and starts <laughs> helping, and then you're like, before so you know, right. you've collected yes. a small crowd just because a crowd attracts more crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. do you remember when we were actually in offices? I mean, I know actually mm-hmm. people, that's starting to come back now, I hear. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe uh, actual mobs in actual buildings. The, the mobs are physical. coming back. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell me about mob programming. What, what you know of it anyway? So again, the, the, f- the one. So the one time I've done this recently, uh, like in the last two years, um, you might have actually been in the room for this. I don't Ooh. remember, but um, we were designing an API, and this was going to be an API that was going to be used by a lot of people. Uh, some of the people in the room were going to be users of the API. Some of the people in the room were going to be implementers of the API. But this was going to be a potentially fundamental API. And uh, the the idea here was is we're okay. We're going to try to design this API with mob programming. And we we booked a conference room for a couple hours. Got the projector up on the screen, and we had a computer hooked up to this projector with a with an editor. And the main rule of mob programming that we followed, and I think this is the more important rule to follow. Again, I am not an expert in this, but like sort of the the pair programming thing is like don't chewy seat your your um mm-hmm. your your pair. The main rule that you follow here is you say the person who's who's driving, the person whose fingers on the on the keyboard, is not the person who's designing the code. All of the ideas for what goes into the code need to be verbalized by somebody that is in the room. Got it. Communicated to that person who then implements it. They in are code. just the remote hands. They're just the yes. scribe of the idea. They're not 
doing right. anything other and than it, like typo checking and well and, like, and it should be like write the word function now write the right. word arg one now write a comma now write the word arg two it needs to be explain your solution to the driver who interprets it and implements it right um now this has a nice benefit of actually the sort of rudimentary version of this i think is not particularly coupled to test driven development like it is with ping pong Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're not a shop that does TDD or isn't particularly familiar with it, this won't feel as alien. Um, in our case, I thought it worked pretty well. It is maybe worth noting that we didn't wind up using that API. So (laughs) I will say that like, you know, we don't have like a resounding success from this particular. I don't have a great success story. And they're like, and that was the API that made us a bajillion T dollars. No, there's (laughs) there's nothing that comes out of it like that. Um, but, you know, the experience I thought was pretty good. And it is definitely something that, like, I personally would like to try more of. Um, maybe in slightly smaller groups of, like, four or five-ish people. Because um, it can be really hard to get five or six people to collaborate on anything. Lunch, even. Uh, but let, <laughs> let alone something like, you know, like an API, Whoa. right? Um, yeah. You know, so... so MP hard problem. Of, yeah. So any sort <laughs> of mechanism that can get... What pizza are we ordering? Ah, no, that's <laughs> terrible. We can't. We can't get that. Um, the any sort of mechanism that allows you know four or five, six people to collaborate in that way, I think, is extremely interesting because there is a certain set of problems where you really want a lot of buy-in from people. Like they're going to be very affected by something, and you can do it as a person goes and creates a pull request and sends it out to all five people. And yeah. then they all sort of like pick it apart and have their own ideas. Yeah. But again, you sort of have that problem that you were talking about, especially for things that are really important. Well, I've already built the solution and now you're tearing it down, right? So now I got to start over from, from grounds, you know, from square one. And that's terrible. And it's awkward to say that that's what needs to be done if that's what needs to be done. And so having all those people there to sort of steer it in the direction that they all, you know, you can almost think of it like, um, like forces apply to a physics problem, right? Where each, yeah. each person is a force vector on and this the mass, which on, is the on problem. The mass of the problem. Yeah, the resulting goes, vector is, is that's that's the solution, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like that analogy. That's yeah, that makes sense. So actually, um, like creating a situation in which all of those forces can be applied, sort of equally and in the right proportion, and result in something that is that is everyone in the room agrees is good, right? consensus amongst yes. everyone and just yeah. the sort of ph- philosophical buy-in because you helped make it mm-hmm. hopefully exactly. comes along with it that makes a lot of yep. sense to me yep. but as you say yeah. it didn't actually get used in this particular example but that may not be because yeah. of the situation there's a million the- reasons why that might be true right um, yeah right so so this is something that i would kind of like to do a little bit more i would love to work with somebody that actually knew this technique really well um to, to sort of act as a facilitator and sort of drive it and, you know, just generally It'd be an interesting experiment to, to try a few things that, yeah, yeah and we yeah. could, well, if we do it, we'll, we'll have to report back and mm-hmm. let our listeners know how it, how it went. Yep. Maybe that'll be part three. Maybe this, so. Well, I was going to say, we, we've definitely reached the end of what I think is a, a good amount of, of things covered. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, the things that um, spring to mind for me are like the other sort of collaboration, you know, we've talked about re- code, but not everything we do is code. And I think the thing that you were talking about with more programming is that actually the design is being mm-hmm. uh, uh, shared and collaborated on, which is cool. But there are other ways of collaborating. and We can perhaps talk about those another time as well. But this has been a lot of fun. Our first two-parter. Yeah. Uh, so uh-huh. if our listener 
uh, or listeners, sorry, the two listeners could let us know uh, what what they thought of it. We'd be uh, appreciative. But um, this is this is cool. I'll I'll guess. I guess we will talk about something else next time. Yeah, this is great though. Cool. Cool. Later, Ben. Later. You've been listening to Two's Compliment, a programming podcast by Ben Rady and Matt Godbold. Find the show transcript and notes at twoscompliment.org. Contact us on Twitter at 2CP, that's at T-W-O-S-C-P. Theme music by Inverse Phase, inversephase.com. <laughs>